Today on Abounding Grace, we'll see how Absalom's rebellion ends in an instant. And Pastor Ed Taylor says we should look at this as a word of warning. Whenever we find ourselves manipulating, lying, deceitful, subversive, and basically fleshly in our dealings with others, any time that we choose to advance our own kingdoms or our own agendas or even our own wicked desires instead of the kingdom of God, right? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added. But when we choose the opposite in these diabolical things and examples that Absalom comes, you can expect, I can expect, the same sudden end. This is amazing grace. enjoy a good story with a happy ending, but we also know life doesn't always look that way. Sometimes a life ends in a horrific way, and such was the case for Absalom, David's son. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll see the tragic conclusion to his life, and it can serve as a needed warning to us that if we choose a similar path in life, we can expect the same sudden end. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor in 2 Samuel 18. Verse 1, chapter 18. And David numbered the people who were with him and set captains, thousands, and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent out one-third of people under the hand of Joab, one-third under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the hand of Ittai the Gittite. And the king said to the people, I also will surely go out with you myself. But the people answered, You will not go out. For if we flee away, they will not care about us, nor if even half of us die will they care about us. But you're worth 10,000 of us now, for you are now more help to us in the city. So the king said to them, whatever seems best to you, I'll do. So the king stood beside the gate, and all the people went out by hundreds and by thousands. Now the king had commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captain's orders concerning Absalom. David gathers the people into battle array, and he wants to go with them. We don't have time to develop this, but it would be a good Bible study to compare the difference between a few years earlier. Remember in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it happened in the spring of that year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him in all of Israel. They destroyed the people of Ammon, besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. You guys remember that? Were you with me in that Bible study? Many of you were. That was the beginning of the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. It was time to go out to battle. David stayed back in Jerusalem. This time, he's a different man. It's time for battle. He gathers everybody up. He assembles them. And now he's going out to battle. I gotta go. Which tells us that the decision to stay back and the decision to go, stay back previously to go now, were actually not mental decisions. 
They were decisions of the heart. Because now he decides not to go. Why? Because the guys told him, don't go. It's a bad idea. They'll kill all of us and it won't matter. If they get you, they're done. You stay back. We'll fight the battles for you, David. You stay back. So one time he chooses to stay back when he should have gone. The next time he chooses to go when he should have stayed back. And in this time his heart is right. The previous time his heart is wrong. And so often that's how we know the heart of a person, by the outcome of the decisions that we make. The people wouldn't allow him to go, and David is humble and submitted to their judgment and recommendation. I hope you're surrounded with people, or at least have a couple people in your life, that will look you in the eye and tell you the truth. David's just doing what it was normal and obvious. Kings go to battle. Last time I didn't go to battle, bad news. I'm going. I'm, I'm going. I'm going with you. Let's go. And they go, no, 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 no. No, don't. Bad idea, David. Yeah, but you don't understand last time. No, it's a bad idea. And we don't even get any of the arguing. Just okay, whatever seems good to you. I trust you guys. Not only they teach them the truth, but they can be trusted. Not only that, but at the end here, in verse 5, you've got David and his dad's heart. I think still at this point, with everything that they've been through, everything they're going through, I still think David was hoping and praying for reconciliation. Hoping Absalom would come to his senses. With all that has happened, still holding on to hope. And as, they, as he sends him out, just please deal kindly with Absalom. Deal kindly with that, which would be a hard thing for people watching him to understand. Like, deal kindly with Absalom. We're on the run right now, man. I'll deal kindly with him. And yet, that's his heart. It's a dad's heart. Verse 6. So the people went out in the field against Israel, the field of battle, and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. The people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David, and a great slaughter of 20,000 men took place that day. For the battle there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside. And the woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. It's interesting to me that the battle was in a heavily wooded area and that the woods actually destroyed more people in the battle. And I'm just reminded on a practical that we, we really need to be mindful and be aware of our surroundings the spiritual principle to me is that it'll make a big difference in the spiritual battle that you're in. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. He says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. And the New King James, I think, says, evil company corrupts good habits. And it's just real important to understand who you're surrounding yourself with, who you're listening to, whether they're building you up in the faith or tearing you down or tearing someone else down in the faith. Like, you got to be careful because you're in a spiritual battle. And you got to put your helmet of salvation on. And the, you got to put your belt of truth on. you got to be walking with the breastplate of righteousness. You have to have your feet shod with the, the, prep, the gospel of peace, the preparation of peace. You need to have that, that shield of faith in your hand. You need to have the sword of the Spirit in the other hand. And as you're guarded and girded up, protected, then you're moving forward with that, that perfect, powerful weapon of prayer. But if you don't understand your surroundings, your surroundings might devour you. If you're not recognizing in the battle that you're in, 
If you're not recognizing and being wise and choosing who you're with, choosing where you're at. I mean, you think about it, in some of the big things, for some of you that struggle with things, there are just certain places you cannot go. Now, I'm not saying that legalistically. I don't know where you go, and I don't follow you around. I've got a GPS on your car. You're not going to be answering to me. But I'll tell you, if you have a lust issue, there's places you shouldn't go. If you have a drinking issue, there's just places you shouldn't go. If drugs have destroyed you, there's just places you shouldn't go and people you shouldn't be with. If you have a propensity to gossip, there's just people you shouldn't be hanging around with. If you have a propensity to lie, you just should avoid some, th- some people in your life. You, you just, you got to run to the, that's why we try to have something here in our fellowship. We try to have something every night of the week so you can run to a place of refuge. That's why we have the radio on, that why God allowed us to, to have a radio station that, that just pours out the gospel message and worship 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That if you can't run somewhere, at least you can flip on a radio or open up an app on your phone and be saturated. And maybe that moment you turn it on, the, the Lord just has a word for you right then and there, and you're not running to, to something that's going to destroy you. And when you're in the woods, you've got to know where you're at. So the woods don't devour you. I just thought that was an interesting thing, that the woods devoured more people that day than the sword did. It wasn't the battle that devoured them. It was where they went. That devoured them. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 6. Leave your foolish ways behind and begin to live. Learn how to be wise. Isn't that encouraging? Because sometimes we don't know what to do. We don't know the decisions to make. And the Lord says, leave your foolish ways behind and learn wisdom. I'm like, wow, Lord, I can learn wisdom. Or in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Well, verse 9, then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick boughs of a great terebinth tree. And his head caught in the terebinth, so he was left hanging between heaven and earth. And the mule which was under him went on. That's an interesting sight. Now a certain man saw it, told Joab, and said, I just saw Absalom hanging in a terebinth tree. And so Joab said to the man who told him, You just saw him? Why would you not strike him there to the ground? I would have given you ten shekels of silver and a belt. And so the guy said, thanks for the belt, man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and the man said to Joab, though I were to receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I wouldn't raise a hand against the king's son. What integrity. I would not raise my hand against the king's son, for in our hearing the king commanded you, Abishai and Ittai, saying, beware lest anyone touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I would have dealt falsely against my own life. For there's nothing hidden from the king, and you yourself would have set yourself against me. Then Joab said, I cannot linger with you. And he took three spears in his hands and thrust them through Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the terebinth tree. Ten young men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. So you imagine this in your mind, Absalom's riding away so confidently, even after 20,000 people die. He's so confident in his decisions, so sure of himself. He's undeterred. He's not going to back down. He's not going to take the warnings of the Lord. Just going forward, strong, confident in himself. 
His diabolical plans up to this point have worked. They seem to be blessed. He's getting everything that he expected. And yeah, you know, 20,000 people fall. It's 20,000. We got plenty more. He doesn't care about the people. He only cares about himself. But who could have predicted that he would get caught in a tree by his hair? Now, those of us that have less hair will never happen. But those of you that take great joy in your hair, watch out. But he's hanging there in vulnerability. Death certainly awaits him. And what happens? Joab throws not one spear, not two spears, but three. Which, you know Joab doesn't have the heart of David. Because you'll remember with David, we learned how he handled spears. He wasn't throwing spears. He was putting them down. That was that big study in David's life with Saul. That's where he learned it. And you know Joab wasn't, this isn't the heart of David here. He didn't want one spear in his heart, and he didn't want two spears in his heart. He didn't want three. It's this kid that said, this guy said, I'm not, why, didn't you hear what he said? Why would I do that? I would be taking my own life, and then you would be against me, and it wouldn't, it, it just, you got to do the right thing. So 10 men surround him, finish the job, and the man that once stole the hearts of the people is now hanging lifelessly and his heart not beating. Why? Well, turn over to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I'll tell you why. In another place in the Bible, the Bible says that be sure that your sin will find you out. You can be sure of it. It isn't a possibility. It isn't a, my, a maybe. It isn't a, a possibility. You know, it isn't just it might happen. The Bible said, you be sure of this, your sin will find you out. It doesn't say God will chase you. It doesn't say that God's judgment will catch up to you. It says your own sin will find you out. And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, notice with me, Galatians chapter 6, pick up in verse 7. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And then he says, as for those of you that have a habit of sowing to the Spirit, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, here's that phrase again, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Why does Absalom's life end in such a horrific way? Because of this principle of sowing and reaping. There's just simply no way around this spiritual truth. There's no way to sidestep it. As steady and real as the natural law of gravity is, so steady and real is the spiritual law of sowing and reaping when it comes to sowing to the flesh and sowing to the spirit. And Absalom ends up not only hanging, but notice verse 16 now back in 2 Samuel. Then Joab blew the trumpet. The people returned from pursuing Israel, for Joab held back the people. And they took Absalom, cast him into a large pit in the woods, and laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then all Israel fled, everyone to his tent. And Absalom in his lifetime had taken up and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley, because he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. 
He called the pillar after his own name, and to this day it's called Absalom's Monument. This is the end of it. It's over. It's that quick. We had all those chapters going through all the rebellion, all the difficulty, all those chapters, and in less than half a chapter, it's over. That quick. That's how fast God can move. And I believe the Lord has a word for us, a word of warning. Whenever we find ourselves manipulating, lying, deceitful, subversive, and basically fleshly when our dealings with others, any time that we choose to advance our own kingdoms or our own agendas or even our own wicked desires instead of the kingdom of God, right? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added. But when we choose the opposite in these diabolical things and examples that Absalom comes, you can expect, I can expect, the same sudden end. I think of how many friends I have, pastor friends, who started flirting with a girl, started talking to the secretary, started, you know, longer discussions at the desk, inviting into the office, then catching a cup of coffee, business, of course, calling or texting. And before you know it, they're not in the pulpit the next Sunday. I mean, I, I've, I've got good, good friends that are not serving the Lord today because they thought they were going to get away with it. And the end came sudden. It was sudden to all of us. We had no idea what was going on, and it was just boom, just sudden. I looked it up 74 times in the New King James, the word sudden or suddenly appears. And many of them, I didn't count them all, but many of them refers to a seemingly quick act of God. Now, it only appears sudden to us because God knows all along how he will handle such a situation. He knows all along in his foreknowledge, in his knowledge of our life from beginning to end. He knows all along it wasn't sudden to him, but to us it is. And as we're waiting on the Lord, we must allow the Lord to work in our lives. He doesn't need or want our help. He wants our submission. He doesn't want our help. He wants our commitment. He wants our faith. And Absalom, I'm sure of it, was convinced in his heart of his success. Sort of like the, the Proverbs, when it talks about that adulterous woman, it says she just wipes her mouth like it's no big deal. Like it's no, no big deal. I got away with it. But seeming success in the world is often failure before God. Seeming success in the world is often failure before God, and Absalom stands as a reminder of that to us. Verse 19. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me now run and take the news to the king, how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You shall not take the news this day, for you shall take the news another day. But today you shall take no news, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go and tell the king what you have seen. So the Cushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. And Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again, But whatever happens, please let me run also after the Cushite. And Joab said, Why will you run, my son, since you have no news ready? But whatever happens, he said, Let me run. So he said to him, Run. Then Ahimaaz uh, ran by the way of the plain and actually outran the Cushite. 
Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate to the wall, lifted his eyes and looked, and there was a man running alone. Then the watchman cried out and told the king, and the king said, If he is alone, there is news in his mouth. And he came rapidly and drew near. Then the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gatekeeper and said, There's another man running alone. And the king said, He also brings news. Verse 27. So the watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahemaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and comes with good news. And Ahimaaz called out and said to the king, All is well. Then he bowed down with his face to the earth before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me, your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I did not know what it was all about. Then the king said, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. Then the Cushite came and said, There is good news, my lord, the king. The Lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. And the king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? And the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord, the king, and all who rise against you do so, all rise against you to do you harm, be as that young man is. So two messengers, they want to go run to the king. Ahimaaz wanted to tell David right away. And I think that he saw this from a political perspective. We're free. It's over. It's done. But Joab said, don't go. It's not a good day to do it. It's not going to be a good day for David. And the Cushite comes, and he wants to go, and he's running. And, you know, the scene is they're running to get there the fastest. Who's going to be the first one to tell? And when Ahimaaz comes, he... When he's asked, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't have the full message. But the Cushite does have the full message. And I just see a little bit here in the contrast between these two. And that is, when you're running with the message of the gospel, are you giving the full message? That's an important thing. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you telling people about their sin? Are you making sure that the real full message is coming? Are you running with a message or are you running with half the truth? You see, are you the one that's zealous and eager but unwilling to obey or unwilling to go the full way, unwilling to share the the, the fullness of the message? Because the Bible warns us in Romans chapter 10 that we can have a zeal but without knowledge. So there you are so excited running with the message, but you got to run with the full message. And that's what the Cushite does. And notice in verse 33, the king was deeply moved went up to the chamber over the gate and wept as he went. And thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place, O Absalom, my son, my son. And the chapter ends with sorrow and sadness and grief because a dad's lost his son. I think he held out hope to the very end that he could work it out. Absalom, on the other hand, He didn't give himself to the Lord, and he lost his life. This is Abounding Grace, and you're listening to a portion of a series in 2 Samuel from pastor and Bible teacher Ed Taylor. Request a CD copy of the message or the entire series when you give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. 
That's 877-304-7223. Another option is to go to calvaryaurora.org, where we house Ed's teachings. And we have a couple of apps that we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. Search for Calvary Aurora and the Grace FM Colorado apps. You'll be able to access Pastor Ed's teachings there. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to stations like this every day. But we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit calvaryaurora.org or call 877-30-GRACE. And as you give $25 or more today, we'll say thanks by sending you The Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. It's an eye-opener to some little-known aspects of prophecy. You'll learn about God's master plan revealed in the seven feasts of the Lord, the significant prophetic patterns discovered in the lunar cycle, and receive glimpses of God's future kingdom as revealed in the stories of people in Scripture. Ask for a copy of The Holy Land Key, Unlocking End Times Prophecy Through the Lives of God's People in Israel, as you call 877-30-GRACE, or turn to calvaryaurora.org on the web. We'll get right back into 2 Samuel tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Aurora.